Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, the place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Morning. And together we hope to inspire, educate, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. And speaking of nourishment, today we're going to be ca- talking about the cost of nourishment. And if this episode is anything, I hope it is as if I'm sitting down with you having coffee and giving you a pep talk because this is a conversation. And when I say you, I mean whoever's listening. I'm looking at Joey right now. I'm also sitting down having coffee with him too. But I've given him this pep talk many a time. And it's something I run into all the time where we have this tension between wanting to be healthy wanting to buy the right foods, wanting to nourish our families, and yet the dollar sign seems to be such a large hurdle. And I think when you really boil it down and what we're going to talk about today, it's less of affordability and more of a mindset perspective change because finances are just one aspect of food, right? It's accessibility to the types of food, It's the knowing what to buy in the first place. It's the change in priorities, perhaps, for your family on on what makes sense. Is it is it is it worth having to get rid of cable for, you know? Um and so it's it's like a it's like I'm giving you a pep talk. I want to um, first say that we don't have this perfectly figured out. Obviously, no family does. No family's like, oh, I've unlimited finances and unlimited funds to spend on my food. Absolutely not. But if there's something that Joey and I have learned through the years, it is that even in our um, hardest financial times, we've found ways to prioritize nourishment. And even in our times where our finances are more abundant than maybe previously, it's still a conversation that we have to have. There's never like a, oh, now I make enough money, I can buy whatever I want, you know? So that that's going to be part of the conversation, but it's just going to be an encouragement um, and, and hopefully maybe a bit of a challenge for anyone out there that's like, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't know if this is something that my husband can get on board with or um, I don't know that, you know, my family can really manage to buy the foods that you're kind of calling us to. So that's the conversation today. I'm excited to to jump in. Right on. Let's uh, let's start with a little bit of background information, a little bit of history. So a couple weeks ago, maybe months ago, I put this poll on my Instagram as I like to do, and I asked people if they thought that people, meaning like, uh, I was talking about Americans specifically, if if Americans spent a higher percentage of their income on food now versus 100 years ago. Hmm. So like in 2022, do we spend more money for uh, out of our total income on food than we did 100 years ago? And almost everyone said yes. Yes, we spend more money because it's like food costs are going up and and things are more expensive, and yeah, we're spending way more money. But if you look back, um, early 1900s, Americans were spending like 40% of their annual income on food, and now it's like less than 10. Did you say 40? 40. 
40%. Yeah, I've seen stats for like high 30s, around 40s. Yeah, so. That's a lot of money on food. Well, here's the thing. The annual incomes were way lower, right? So it was less dollars on food regardless. But higher prioritization. Higher prioritization, yeah. Yeah. And that's the piece. And that's why I always tell people, um, like especially whenever I post my grocery bills, which I do pretty often, especially if I'm doing like a week of what's for dinner, I always get these like messages from people on the West Coast like, oh, it must be nice to to be able to afford all that for that amount of money, you know, for only $120 because over here it would cost three times that. And I'm like, you would never be able to live in California on the income I make, on you make actually. Like it, there's a, remember it's percentage, right? So I'm saying we spend a, a certain amount of percentage on of our income on our food versus um i think the best way to communicate that is not to say hey california people you're more you you know you all live a more expensive life life than us so you should therefore get over it like that's not what we're saying i think the best way to say it is is that proportionally we're spending an you know x amount of percent money from our income on taking care of our health and our nutritional kind of, you know, our nourishment, right? Or the food that we're buying, the, the way that we, you know, get our drinks or water or whatever. That proportion can be equal. Right. And, and. Doesn't mean the dollar signs are going to be equal. Even though it can come across. I'm just saying this honestly, because it came across quite abrasive. Even me sitting across from you hearing you say that. It almost seems like you're frustrated well, with I hadn't people finished from California. Okay. It's it this is the thing. I don't like when we talk about this topic when people come at me like they're mad at me because it only cost me $140 for my grocery bill. I'm like, "What do you want me to tell you?" And I'm sure it's coming out of a frustration from them. Mm. Out of, you know, anytime you feel like you don't have a good grasp on something. Cuz what if what if right? And this is what we're going to talk about today. But like what if it really like we don't understand and hey, the proportion, that mathematical equation in my head makes sense. But hey, you really have a harder time in California. And may, maybe just because we want to think that because they live in California, their income's double ours. Maybe maybe it's not. I don't I don't think it is. I don't I don't think maybe they're just paying significantly more of their proportion like on housing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a there's a million different variables that go into that and it's not just california it would be anything outside of the midwest honestly the east coast would be facing the same thing yeah i guess that's true the midwest is its own special little place um but my point is even if you look back at history right and i, th- I think i looked it up and it was like you know i don't know hundreds of dollars versus thousands of dollars in annual income and of that 40 percent would be spent on food and then you roll into the 1950s and it and it drops to like 30 percent and then you roll into the late 1900s or early 2000s and it's like 10 percent and part of that is just because dollars are increasing and so we have more disposable income so of course our grocery budget number in perspective is going to decrease but it's also um, pointing out that we, while we have more dollars to our name, perhaps, we also are diversifying our spending a lot more than we were, obviously, in the early 1900s. So, and, and part of that is inescapable, right? We can't buy a house for the same amount that we could back then. We can't buy the cars for as cheap as they were, but 
if you really boil it down to like what is a necessity in 2022, I wouldn't say that we do such a good job of evaluating our own personal finances through a realistic lens of necessity. I think the majority of Americans view things that are necessities that are just societal norms. Mm. And so that's the piece where sometimes I like to push back a little bit. And yeah, I, I think... Sometimes I can be a little dismissive of people's frustrations because honestly, I feel like we have dealt with a really difficult financial times and it almost feels like when someone's like, well, that's great for you, but I can't. Mm. I want to tell them like, but you can. I, I don't want that to stop you. I don't want you to have this mentality that like it's not possible for you to do that. Yeah. And the prioritization looks different. Like what we're not saying is you can get the exact same things that we're getting in the yeah. exact same way. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where this, this, this discussion is headed is that you can focus and hone in on your, on your nourishment. Um, even if, if the only way that you're able to do that isn't just through your finance, financial freedom, right? Mm-hmm. It could be, uh, you have, and we're going to get into this, but we've, we're going we're to get into this awesome matrix talking through the tension between uh, time versus money. Uh, and I think that that is going to be really helpful. So that's all I kind of wanted to say to set the stage. Um, I did a rough calculation based on our um, annual income, and it looks like we fall somewhere between 19.2 and 22.4 percent of our annual household income goes to food and i have been very honest with people and said that food costs are our second highest monthly bill mm. for sure they are and um we accomplish that in a couple of ways we right now for the time being we don't have any car payments we drive um, very modest cars one that was gifted to us one that i bought from my dad seven years ago so um you know, what else do we do? We don't have traditional health insurance, so we have very low health costs. We don't have cable. I mean, there's a million other things that we could say, oh, you spend your money on that, but we choose not to. Now, we also, you know, I'm sitting at a table looking at all of this podcast equipment, you know, like there's stuff that we do spend money on that other people Mm. don't. I'm not saying we're like the most frugal. I actually think we're like in the middle Mm. in frugality, but Um, we've prioritized our food spending and, you know, I used to try to squeeze our budget to like $80 a week as a family of, well, we were a family of four back then. Um, I've since expanded my perspective on that. So. Right on. I wanted to jump into a concept that we use in business a lot. And it's this idea of it's in business. You'll find this in this concept in, um, churches and in, in, in religion, you might find it in a book. I know it as the five, you know, five capitals. And th- these are the areas of life that take our time, energy, and money. These are the areas of life. These are the five capitals that we have swirling around us at all times. Uh, quickly, what those are, uh, health, faith, finances, community, that's friends, family, mm-hmm. and intelligence. So I'll say that again. Health, faith, finance, community, and intelligence. These are all capitals that we have to kind of manage, if you will. 
Meaning they can be assets or liabilities, right? They are always assets and liabilities. Okay. I mean, if you've ever had a friend, you're like, you know, this this friend is, is a total <laughs> liability. Or a family member. Uh, yikers. But the the um, the five capitals, the, the reason why this is a really fantastic concept, and, and I don't want to dive too deep into each individual. We can link an article to them if totally. you want in the show notes. Totally. Yeah. I'm sure there's a book on it. Mm-hmm. There has to be. But... The five, the five capital kind of idea helps us understand how we prioritize our time, energy, and money. And none of these five things can be perfectly managed or you can't give them 100% all the time. Mm-hmm. Not all five. Mm-hmm. You can't have 100% effort going into your health, your faith, your finance, your community, and your intellectual gains all the time. I mean, you, you, trying to quickly imagine what that looks like is I have a thriving social life that people can always count on me and I'm never missing a friend occasion while also I'm cooking every meal from scratch. I am working out. I'm following fitness routines. I'm running, you know, I'm you know, going to the chiropractor. I don't know. Even some of those within their own categories can be competing because like you can't have the most thriving friend situation and also be the most present with your family, you know, like even that's competing inside of it. You know, and and that's where, you know, we could get really deep into this, but it all just comes down to definition, right? Because you're going to set yourself a goal and a vision of where you want that to be. So success looks different. Right. So it's so that's if, true. You're if, gonna have different if the priorities. success of what your community looks like is coming from your friends, if if they are defining success for you, well, of course, your friends are always going to be like, well, you know, you're not as good of a friend because you didn't come help me move that one time. Or your family's going to say, well, you, you know, you were late for Christmas because you had to, you know, whatever. And but no, you're going to define it. And so if, if I think. I would push back on that and say, yeah, you can. They're not they're not conflicting because you're going to ultimately define what having your, you know, relational capital in a in a good state looks like. Mm. Um, and again, um, health 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 capital, there's faith capital or spiritual capital, whatever you want to call that. Um, you know, that that looks like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Going, going to church, you know, reading scripture, you know, whatever, you know, it, it could be other religions. It doesn't have to be, you know, the one that we're in, but that's that's a basic kind of human reality, right? Um, and, and the reason why we bring this up, especially within this conversation, is that there's trade-offs. If you're investing all of your time and effort and, and, and money into into your money, meaning like, hey, you know what? We have a savings goal, and thus, we cannot break that goal. Well, that, that just means that you're going to sacrifice in other areas to increase your financial strength, mm-hmm. right? If that capital is taken priority in a season of your life, and these things are always going to fluctuate, but if it's taken priority in a season of your life, then you're going to be saving money and you'll probably be spending less on your health or your friends and your family or your community, or you'll be spending less on growing intellectually. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you'll be winning in, fi- in your financial, or, or maybe you're investing. So you're taking your money, your, your cash is going down, but you're investing time, energy, and money 
into your finances. And then, then it goes the other way, right? So you're saying, hey, you know what? We've decided that we want to invest time, energy, and money into our health. And thus, we've increased our food budget or we have increased, I mean, we went out recently, Elizabeth and I bought workout equipment. That was not in the vein of, hey, we want to boost ourselves financially. Mm-mm. That was not a financial capital motivated decision. That was a, hey, I'm willing to sacrifice some financial capital strength so that I can increase my physical health strength. That capital uh, was had risen to the top. And um, it's funny how when you get into that health category, um, start, we, we started with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of bleeds into all of health, right? So now, now, now we love working out and we, we're going on walks and we're, you know, we're, we're reading about it. And that, that kind of bleeds into the intellectual side, right? And um, what will happen is, is that, again, like I said, these things fluctuate. So um, anyways, any, any questions about that? Any things that you wanted to cover that maybe I didn't? Well, I remember um, first hearing about this topic actually in church and um, we were listening to a sermon on it and I remember it sort of being posed as like, hey, you have these five um, pools of capital and there's there's something that you can sort of wield. So it's not just like, hey, it's either depleting or increasing, but it's like, hey, um, these can be resources to you. And if you look at them as resources, then um, it's going to sort of motivate you to pour into them. So like if your spiritual capital is super low, um, that's going to affect your family capital. That's going to affect your the other areas, I guess. Yeah. Like they, they can, um, you know, yeah. So I, I think that that's, Something where I'm always like, okay, which one is the, they sort of trickle into the other. Totally. You know? They totally do. But also, I mean, you can't expect growing financial capital to grow your marriage. What do you mean? So, hey, we're making more money now. Um, I just love you so much more. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, there, there are times wherein you have to make intentional sacrifice. You have to spend your capital. You have to make intentional, you have to spend your capital. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be, you're spending your intellectual capital. Meaning, you know what? This morning I'm not gonna read because, um, or at least I'm not gonna read my you know sales book or my marketing book or my whatever book because Elizabeth and I are gonna go downstairs and record a podcast. And so I'm gonna sacrifice that time for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I'm not going to sleep as much this evening because I'm going to get up earlier because I do want to read that book and do the podcast Mm -hmm. that, you know, rest and sleep is in that health category. Yeah. So, um, they do trickle into each other, right? If you are not getting enough sleep on a regular basis, you will see it start to play out in all of the categories. If health, if your health declines, You'll see it play out into all of your categories, even into finances, because all of a sudden you're in the hospital and you're spending money on your on your health, right? Yeah, it's the, true. They, they all do. They all do um, play into each other, but at the same time, it's not it's not a perfect equation. You're you're constantly having to step back, zoom out, and look at the five and say, where am I currently dedicating most of my time, energy, and resources? 
and you know where could I use some improvement? Mm-hmm. Where so, where should I spend my capital and where should I increase it? Correct, absolutely. So um, another you know final reason why we're bringing this kind of concept up is it is a way to help you focus on nutrition because. Um, one, there's ways to focus on nutrition that aren't just through money. And that's the, that's something that I really want to talk about today is that you don't have to have money to focus on nutrition. When I say focus on nutrition, I think the first thing people think is, well, I go to Kroger and I start buying all the expensive food. Yeah. Or I go to my grocery store and buy all the expensive food. That's not it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other things we can be doing. Understanding macronutrients. And we're going to get into this, and this is a great segue. You mind if I move us on? Yeah, let's go. This is a great segue into a little matrix I drew up. And again, my life is is built on concepts like the five capitals and matrix that can help me define <laughs> the tension between two, two, uh, two, two ideas. So, I call this the time versus money matrix, right? So, if you can imagine two sides of a graph, one is um, hey, I've got high time, I've got a lot of extra time, but I've got low money. And the other side is, I've got a lot of money, but low time. Mm-hmm. How can we use those two extremes? And obviously, I think most of us in the world are probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. We're probably not, I have zero money and infinite time. Mm-hmm. And we're probably not zero time, infinite money. Um, I say probably not. I, I would be surprised if someone had literally zero time. Um, can you wake up 15 minutes earlier? Like that, that again, if you're working, I, I don't know, maybe you do have zero time. So I don't, don't want to make a sweeping statement. Anyways. Um, what's on the time side on the time side, the first one and the biggest one, the one that, that I think you and, and I are most passionate about is, um, education. Mm-hmm. Education takes time. Yeah, so if you're like, I don't have the money or the budget. I actually did a post on this recently where I had two um, sort of sides of this post. And one said um, sort of like non-helpful ways to view food, right? And it was like the quote, I don't, I can't afford that. Okay, well, what if you can't afford X, Y, Z, if you can't spend money on a particular food or food item or maybe you know, something in your kitchen that would help you make the food. Can you dedicate some resources to learning in the process? And and resources meaning time. Right. Resources, it can be be confused as, hey, dedicate some money towards learning. And that is good. And there are cheap ways to do that. You know, yours truly has some resources that are affordable that help you learn. However, education doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you have a smartphone that you're interacting with us on Instagram, that same phone can, can get on Google. So, Yeah, it was, okay, so I pulled it up. Unproductive approach to food would be, I can't afford that, versus a productive approach to food that says, I'm going to grow my understanding of real food as I wait for my finances to allow for a change in sourcing. So even if you're like, I can't afford raw milk right now, I can't afford those good eggs, I can't afford X, Y, Z, um, can you get a book from the library for free and read it? Can you hop on your iPhone or your whatever smartphone or your computer or go to the library and use their computer and listen to a podcast? Um, another unproductive thing is to say, I can't access that. Okay, well, what do you have access to, right? So it's like just 
changing the question a little bit. Totally. And that education again, hey, I, can, I might not be able to buy the, uh, I, might, I may not be able to import the, or import or ship the all grass-fed, grass-finished um, half cow from Wisconsin, right? I might not be able to order that yeah. online and pay for it. Mm-hmm. I might not have the money to own a deep freezer that I can store that in. I may not have the money to eat steak at all. Mm-hmm. But what you would have... If you're eating, right, you're spending some money on food mm-hmm. if you're eating. Yep. I hope everyone out there that's listening to this is eating. I really do. Everyone is eating something. I, I mean, I hope so. The, the thought is, if you had, even for me, I'm learning. Here's an example. I'll give an example. There are, there are protein options you can choose, i.e. beef in some capacity, that we know is raised on pasture for a portion of its life. Yeah. That decision alone can be more impactful than buying um, cheap, you know, pumped full of synthetic kind of feed in a centralized animal feeding operation Mm -hmm. chicken, right? Yeah. Or, you know, a pig that was in one of these CAFOs. That alone is a small decision that comes through education. Mm -hmm. That's a small decision that comes through education. It doesn't necessarily have to affect your budget at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I'm learning that I think there's a lot of people, if I'm learning this, I went to culinary school. I have a leg up on most, I would assume, Mm -hmm. on how to cook food that is good for you in some capacity or food that tastes good at least. The Macronutrients. Yeah, I think it's- Do you understand a balance of macronutrients? When you're making dinner with the budget you're using currently, are you buying frozen meals? Are you buying, you know, know, what are you buying? Are you buying for convenience even though you have some time to make some food? Are you just overwhelmed because you don't know what to cook or how to cook it? Education. I do think it's really odd that you guys didn't cover that in school. No, we, no, we did. We talked about macronutrient stuff in school. To balance a plate, right? To balance a meal. Yeah, we did. We talked about that. There was some, some stuff that we've, you and I have, discussed that we didn't you know go over i mean we went over um the treatment of animals we watched the videos of how animals are you can be poorly treated we watched that kind of stuff yeah we we saw that in culinary school yeah okay so another another piece on the time is if you have low money high time right well it's always it's it's not i won't use i won't use the word always but it's typically cheaper to buy the raw material and cook from scratch at home although that is something that takes more time typically, right? That's why it's on the time side. So cooking and prepping are something where if you're like, hey, I'm low money, but higher time, um, even if it's just like a slight increase on that scale, um, wield your time in that way. Uh, Totally. Yeah, take the extra time to prep that food. Take the extra time to cook from scratch a couple nights a week. Take the extra time to do whatever. Um, And do it with... with complete passion and energy because you know that this is a way that you're able to support your family in a nourishing way without spending a whole lot of extra money. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Ruthie. All right, slight intermission for Ruthie who decided that it was time to wake up. And uh, (laughs) back into talking through cooking and prepping. 
Yeah, it's it always amazes me. I love the I love the analogy. It's not even an analogy. I love the description of someone going to a grocery store and buying spending maybe three to five times more money on a pre-butchered chicken mm. that doesn't have any bone or skin in it mm. anyways boneless skinless chicken breast is the worst thing to happen to mm. a poor bird i mean it's just the driest piece of meat in the world and then so you spend your money on this pre-butchered chicken right um maybe because you don't have the education to break it down it it's all starts there but it, you're right and then yeah. it kind of comes into this practical cooking and prepping and then you have to go to the soup aisle and you have to buy a carton of like anywhere from three to all the way like $13 broth, right? If you're making a soup or something versus maybe you spend, you know, it used to be like $8 for a whole chicken. Now it's anywhere between like 15 to 30 on a whole chicken. And then you have, not only do you still have those, that breast meat, but you also have all the other parts of the bird. You have the bones, the connective tissue, the skin, and you can make a stock out of that. And that is something that, yes, yeah, it takes more time. Mm. minimal more time but more time and it is also sort of layered right because you have to have the educational piece the even know how i can't tell you how many people are like i don't know why i never thought to make my own chicken stock on a weekly basis it's a life changer you can use it to cook rice you can use it to drink as a beverage to support a healthy gut you can use it soup stock sauces i mean chicken oh my gosh everything everything. but it's just such a simple example because most of us have access to some sort of whole chicken now does it have to be the most incredible whole chicken in the world for you to benefit from that process no like we need to drop some of this like purist mentality right we want to push for Um, the right type of chicken or the right type of bird. But if we're constantly coming up against hurdles or obstacles, let's ask ourselves if it really matters, right? Small steps will take you to amazing places. Yeah. So if you can, if you can begin with, you know what, this isn't the ideal, you know, whatever approved bird, but I broke it down myself. Mm -hmm. I made stock out of it. I am taking control of the food that we're producing and eating in our in our in our home. That is one of the small steps that you need to take to get to a place where you do where eventually you look back and you're like, look how far we've come. Yeah, it is overwhelming to look at what the ideal kind of nourishing life might look like. This this I have you know land and I have uh, livestock on the property. Mm-hmm. And try to think of how am I going to get there? Well, you know, you start small. You got to start small. You got to start somewhere. You got to start by getting some education on and, and getting some cooking and prepping. The next thing is we have shopping, gardening, sourcing. Yeah. And before we even get into that, I sort of just had an epiphany, right? Because if you took someone in a situation like we were maybe seven years ago and you just threw more money at us, we would just be buying more of the wrong foods. And so as an encouragement to anyone who's like, I just need more money to solve my problems, that might be a part of your problem. Yes, like you might have a financial piece that needs to also resolve. But I'm thankful that we weren't just throwing more money and that we had to sort of learn the foundational principles first. And then we had to learn how to scratch cook this stuff first right because you can't go from a to b and then not have any sort of thing in the middle so if it is time you need to free up you know 
that's a way that I feel like really boosted our concentration and, and ability to wield our finances in the most effective ways because we kind of hit some of these things um, because we were low money, higher time. Yeah. Okay. So and not like that high. Yeah, we weren't zero, a hundred. Oh yeah. I mean, we have, we, we had have kids, kids we, and... we had daycare to pick kids up from. Yeah. We both worked full-time jobs. Yeah. It wasn't like a, we're sitting around like, well, I guess we'll spend six hours figuring out how to make a sourdough loaf from scratch. It had nothing to do with that. No, it was, it was in the margins. And maybe that's something we can talk about for a minute is like the time piece is in the margins. It was, you know, while my baby was napping, I was listening to a podcast or, or I would go, you know, read a book here and there whenever I had time, or I would watch a documentary with my kids, you know, and I would have them like on the couch next to me or, um, yeah, it's, it's not this, it's never an abundance of either time or money, but it's which one you're willing to spend to invest. So at that point in our lives we were we were willing to invest our time more so than our money because we didn't have it. Mm. So shopping and gardening, um, and sourcing, this is one where, yeah, we did a whole podcast on sourcing and it's something we talk about a lot, but it can be time consuming mm-hmm. to think through, okay, like, where okay what do i have in my farm order do i need to go to this store to get this food item um the garden itself is time consuming i drive over to my parents house every single day to water that garden and i won't get anything from it for a a couple more weeks Mm. right so then you weed it and you plant it and all these things so um growing your own things is sort of in the same category as cooking from scratch right starting with the most raw material talk about a seed and some soil that's pretty raw material. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if you had less time to garden, we could talk about the other side of that spectrum. But think about the things you can do with 20 minutes a day or um, things you can do with an extra 35 minutes. Maybe you can drive to that store and pick that up. Maybe you can spend um, the hour a week it takes to drive to your herd share drop point, you know. But these things are time. Right on. The... Um you're, you're, if you're if you find yourself on the I have time but I don't have money side of the matrix and um, or you feel as though you're on the side of I have more ability to spend time than I do money mm-hmm. these are some things that you can get after to continue making small incremental steps towards a more nourishing life now let's let's get to the other side let's say, Hey, I feel like I don't have very much time, but I could dedicate some money. Yeah. There there are people on both sides. Um, there are people on both sides of this matrix. What are some things that people can be getting into that will help push them in the right direction if they're if they don't have a ton of time to dedicate? But they have if they have finances they're willing to invest. Um you know, the education piece is still there, but it just looks different. For this one, if you have less time to read a whole book, maybe you're investing in purchasing a course that can give you the overview of like eight to 10 different books. Um, that maybe that course takes you three hours to work through, but reading the eight to 10 books would take you three weeks, right? So you're sacrificing some financial capital because you don't have the time, or maybe you don't want to spend the time. Um, hiring a coach would be another way to expedite your time and increase your learning, right? Having someone one-on-one. What does that look like? 
are there coaches in this real food nutritional journey that oh, people yeah. are on that you could hire? Absolutely. There are, right on. Okay. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's a, um, there's a nutrition, uh, it's actually something I looked into doing, but there's a, a decent nutrition program where you can become a NTFP, nutritional therapy, functional practitioner. I don't know what the acronym is, but, um, yeah, you can, you can hire people to either help you, um, understand nutrition. Obviously there are real food dietitians out there, um, who are sort of in line with this too. And, and you can hire a coach, you can hire sort of like a more general wellness coach, you can hire a detox coach. I mean, you could hire anything you want. You could hire a fitness fitness trainer. A chef. A chef. You could hire, yeah. So chef would be on the next category. But in terms of education, um, you're looking at courses. You're looking, and there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of different options for people. Um, I reference several good resources at the end of the Real Food Guide. And uh, that is a way to expedite your learning. I think it's safe to say either side of the matrix, we believe this journey begins with education. Yeah, it was the top. And it, and it, the middle is education and the end is education. The education never stops, but within, with, with some education, there are some practical action like steps that people can take as well with money. Right. And what, what are some of those? Wait, repeat that question again. So you can have education, but there's also some things that you can go spend money on to, pursue nutrient dense foods if you have more financial freedom yeah and i'm asking what's i have them written down you want me just to say them sure okay so like one of those would be like a food delivery company so if you do want to order foods that may be more nutrient dense rather than going to your grocery store it's harder to find those things right hey you know i don't have any you know farms near me well if you have if you have a a little bit of financial freedom there there are um companies out there that can deliver this awesome properly grown foods to your door mm-hmm. and while that's not the easiest thing for anybody to um to pay for that is that is an option mm-hmm. and you know get, get into some of that like what 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 kind of foods do you know of that can be ordered oh my gosh you can order anything um you can get like really great meat delivered to your door you can get whole meals delivered to your door whole meals that are nutrient dense yeah What's a company that does that? I mean, you have to, no, you'd have to like dig in because a lot of them will offer like you can either get um, like a paleo version or a keto version, you you know, so like you have to weed through some of that. But um, there are some good options you could find. I would look for something that's typically using organic ingredients. I would Mm -hmm. look for someone, something that's not using a bunch of seed oils. Mm. And then other than that, as long as it's your veggie, your fruit, your meat, um, you're pretty much good to go. Um, you could, I mean, there was even someone locally, right? That was doing meal prepping for people that she yep. would go shop, come into your house, prep all your food, yep. and then you'd have it for the and that, week. And that's where I put down the idea of having a chef. It's like you could theoretically find somebody if you had the resources. Absolutely. That would come in, do your shopping, do your cooking. Yeah. And get you uh, get you all set up and ready to rock and roll. And and um, again, it's it's... You're looking at those capitals and you're saying, you know, where, where can I make a sacrifice to, to increase this part of my life? Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately I'm also you know, saying is that if there's other areas of your life that, that need to be prioritized more than another area, that, that is totally up for you guys to decide. I am, I am by no means saying that health is the number one mm-hmm. and that you have to let everything else slide. I'm just saying that this is one of the ways to look at it 
if you were interested in prioritizing it some mm-hmm. more. I think a quote that I have written down here as we kind of tie a bow on the money side of the matrix, unless you had something else, was I often hear people say that money is going to free up time. Mm-hmm. If, I have, if I just had more money, it would free up time. In my experience and the people that I know, this has never been true. Yeah. Ever. This has never been true. Um, I know for us, it's it's always been a balance of either more time or more money. Um, it's, it's always been on one side of the, that scale. And so... But it, it always feels like whatever thing you're lacking in, it always feels like if you just have more of that, that's your solution. It is funny how that works. If I just have more time... I can blank if I just have more money. And then all of a sudden you move into a stage of life where you have more time or you have more money. And if you didn't spend um, the moments where you lacked in that preparing for that time, then you're not going to spend it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same It's the same analogy I just gave of like, if you would have just thrown more money at us five years ago, we wouldn't have been spending it the right way because we didn't, because we wouldn't have known. Totally. Let's uh, get into some nutrient value versus monetary value conversation. Yeah, this is one that I think does a really good job of shaking people from like what is typically maybe in the grocery cart because it's the standard American diet is very much like um, it can be grain heavy, it can be grain central. But if you think about kids specifically, right, what snacks are, are most kids consuming? Cheerios. Cheerios, goldfish, granola bars, um, cliff bars, um, crackers, graham crackers, animal crackers, um, gummies, like what the, the list goes on and on. I could think of like 10 different, um, snacky items that parents are just habitually buying because it's like, I need a snack for my kid. I need those little puffs for my toddler. I need those little yogurt, freeze-dried yogurt bites for my baby. I need those... Applesauce packets. Applesauce packets. Oh my gosh. The yeah. squeezables. <laughs> they so, like them because they can squeeze it. Uh, our kids have just... I would say Ruthie and, and Ray have not really jumped on... Have, they haven't really participated in the whole squeeze movement right because i was like why do my kids need to learn how to eat from a pouch that's not a skill that they need when they're older and then the other day what did you say ray did so over at my parents house my mom was watching ray ray's a little she just two turned year two. Old, she's two-year-old and she's our rambunctious savage daughter that <laughs> we call her sturdy she yeah. just she falls down she looks at me and she grunts through the pain she's she says, i'm okay like, right on anyways my mom gave Ray a packet that had a little squeeze top applesauce. As she gives her other grandchildren and they That's do what fine. grandparents do. Uh-huh. And we love that. Everyone eats it. Everyone, get, yeah. She, Ray does not get these at home. Ray does not get anything even close to that at home. Ray gets applesauce in a bowl with a spoon. Yeah. And Ray eats the whole thing and then, you know, chucks the spoon. Yeah. Anyways, Ray takes the packet, bolts. I mean, and Ray's very fast, very, you know, ready to get some directly to the living room where her older sister's shoes were. And my mom said in the 10 seconds that she was chasing Ray to try to get the applesauce packet from her, she had filled both of Ruthie's shoes with applesauce. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, anyways, you can spend like a, a, a small premium 
on uh, the applesauce squeeze packet. But at the end of the day, let's ask ourselves, instead of just looking at maybe what is conventional, what is typical for kids to eat or families to purchase or whatever, um, in terms of your money and where your dollars are being spent, is it does it make sense for the nutrient value that you're getting from that food? So I would say things can either be like, um, they can be neutral, like they can have no nutrient value. It's not really good or bad, but it's sort of like empty calories, right? Empty nourishment, but you're spending Mm. money on it. That's not a good place. You can have high nutrient value where you're like, oh, this is really nutrient dense and we're getting the biggest bang for our buck. Or you can have negative nutrient value where not only does this thing not nourish us at all, but it could be, it could be potentially harmful for us, right? Mm-hmm. It could it could be full of glyphosate. Unfortunately, Cheerios are. Unfortunately, goldfish are. Unfortunately, Doritos on a regular basis are going to fall in that nutrient negative category. Mm-hmm. So I think if people would start to look at their food, judging it that way, and I'm usually just calling out the highly processed foods, right? Because I'm, I'm not going to look at a chicken egg and say that that's nutrient negative. It's absolutely not. In fact, eggs are one of the best examples I like to give people because even the highest price point for an egg is still relatively affordable, right? So um, if we would just focus more on food's nutrient value, which at the end of the day, why are we eating? Why do we eat? Yeah, to, to sustain for, our life. It's for nourishment. It's gasoline in the tank. It's it's nothing else but for nourishment. And then on top of that, you know, as we talked about in our previous podcast, it's it's communal. It's enjoyable. It's it's one of the gifts we're given, you know, as humans. Um, but we focus so much on the dollar sign, right? Oh, this cereal's on sale. I'm going to grab that. Or this granola. Or, um, you know, these granola bars or these Cliff bars are only such and such per thing. Yes, but is it is it providing nutrient value to you? What is the, what is the scale there? Is it positive? Is it neutral? Or is it negative? Because if you're consistently spending money on the graham crackers, um, or the, like I think it's so weird that in church settings we feed our kids Cheerios and animal crackers in every single church nursery. Who started that? When did that become a thing? Like. Have we not thought of a better way to either just maybe our kids don't need a snack for the hour that they're in church or have we not thought of a better snack to give them? Um, It's a great example of a very typical food that if we really broke it down and looked at it, is it the best way we could spend our money? Yes or no. Mm. And so, you know, high quality nutrient value isn't always more expensive, but sometimes it is like for us raw dairy. Yeah, it is it is higher. It's a higher price point for us, but it's an incredibly high nutritive value. And so I'm happy with that. I love this concept because what we're doing is we're telling people that when you go to the store or when you're going to shop or when you're going to source food in any way that you source food, whether you're out to eat, you're at the grocery store, or you know, you're shopping online. Even picking plants for your garden. Or picking plants for your garden. You can be looking at, at it in a way of nutrient value rather than looking at it purely from just monetary value. And so I think, and I think there's a balance there, right? It's the same thing as it's also almost like another matrix where you can be looking at things that are nutrient value, their, their nutrient value and their monetary value simultaneously and making the best decisions for you. It, It might be that prioritizing monetary value in this realm because the nutrient value is kind of there 
or saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to think less about the monetary value of this item because the nutrient value is so much more critical. So here's a great example of that. And I'm not going to name like brand names or anything, but um, take cereal, for example. Cereal is one of those things. I personally love it. I mean, every time I'm pregnant, I'm like, give me some cereal. I love it. It's just I love the crunch factor. I, I grew up on cereal. I've loved it. It's not something we typically keep in our house on a regular basis. We probably buy cereal a couple times a year. Um, but here's the thing. If you're going to buy cereal and you're in this real food space and you want to buy a healthier cereal, there are some options, right? You can buy one at the grocery store that's maybe an organic brand. It might still have like extruded grains in it and it might not be the best thing for your blood sugar. But if you're buying that box of cereal once every three to four months um, and spending $3.50 on it, it's at least low nutrient value and also low monetary value. In comparison, I recently tried a brand of cereal that is a little bit um, different quality, but it was still the same, not super high nutrient value because at the end of the day, it was cereal. It was a cassava-based cereal, but it was incredibly um, high monetary value. It was like $13 for a box of cereal. And I thought to myself, I wanted to try it just to taste it and see how it tasted and how it was. At the end of the day, I cannot ever sit and tell people, hey, um, you need to invest money in your in your real food diet. By the way, if you're going to buy cereal, make sure it's at least $13, right? Because that's a low nutrient value food regardless. Even if you get the highest quality of that cereal, I think that that $13 would be better spent on a chicken or a couple packs of bacon or, um, gosh, a couple cartons of eggs at the end of the day, right? And so it's it's, um, that's an option where I'm like, Hey, buy the cheaper cereal, because if you're going to eat cereal regardless, uh, at least don't spend your hard earned dollars on it. That's a perfect way to use that concept. That's that's a great example. That's a great example. And, um, right on anything else before we wrap this thing up. No, I think we covered it. And obviously as with every topic we cover on this podcast, we'll have more conversations like this again. Yeah. This is this is a running conversation. This is something that we are continuously educating ourselves in. This is not by any means the one all be all food cost conversation. No. Um I do love your your quote though, uh food was never meant to be cheap. Um and that's not I, I wanted to find that for myself a little bit, even after our conversation and saying that that doesn't mean, hey, if you don't have money, you're screwed. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, what that's saying is, is that nutrition and health, those kind, that, that capital comes at a cost of other capitals. Mm-hmm. And those capitals can be your finances, could be your relational capital. Hey, you know, I spend a little bit less time with friends. I still have friends, hopefully, you know, whatever. But because I'm spending more time shopping and prepping. Hey, you want to come over tonight? It's like, no. Um, tonight I'm going to, I'm going to be cooking dinner at home or, Hey, we're going to go out to eat. No, I'm going to cook dinner tonight. Or yeah, that's a great example, right? Is maybe it, it impacts your financial or your relational capital because you're opting out of something or you're like, Hey, I, I'm going to work this extra hour so that I have the financial capital so that I can spend my financial capital to increase my health capital. Yeah. Yep. I love that. Speaking of investing in capitals we have some awesome things for you all to do such a thing 
um, on homegrowneducation.org. We sell some books. We've got some curriculum that are built out for you to help you on this journey. We've got curriculum for kids aged anywhere from, what, 5 to 12. Yeah. Um, get on there. Get after that. Those things are a great way to get yourself on the path, but also your kids towards a better understanding of nutritional nutrient-dense foods. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, get yourself the Real Food Guide. That's just a almost like a cheat sheet, if yeah. you will, of I want to have the educational resources at my fingertips for, from a reliable source that, that is out there you know, spending a lot of that time growing an intellectual and um, health on a regular basis and then sharing it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what we do. That's why we have this podcast. That's why this podcast is free. Um, and then finally, we created What's for Dinner. I know that we're going through the What's for Dinner week three mm-hmm. right week now. Week three right now. And last night's dinner was so good. I think it way. was the sauce that made it. I mean, oh the chicken was cooked the well. Cilantro but... lime crema is just incredible. I used it on a breakfast burrito this morning. What's for Dinner is an awesome resource because it gives you inspiration it gives you recipes. It gives you shopping lists. It's everything from inspirational food to, all the way to practical tools to make dinner a less stressful endeavor. Mm-hmm. Especially if dinner is something that you hope to make as nutrient dense as possible. Yep. And I even noticed in your post, you said something along the lines of, hey, I had to sub out. Uh, asparagus or broccoli because they didn't have it boom there you go i mean it's just it's just good stuff man it's good stuff helping people helping people um every day if you want to check out or find any of those products again it's homegrowneducation.org get on there find those things and uh start the start the education that that we, we that we all know we need finally if you want to hear more from elizabeth you can find her on the Instagram. She is on the Instagram. Her <laughs> handle is at homegrown underscore education. If you want to find me, it's at Joey Hazelmeyer. And we will be talking to you soon. Mm-hmm. Until next time. Until next time.